If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. It's your daily dose of Donna. Happy Thursday, Friday Eve. It's Thursday, November 18th, 16th. Don't freak out, guys. Don't freak out. It's the 16th. The 18th is Saturday. Sorry about that. I'm going to blame it on my blonde hair today. So many new people here every single day. Thank you so much. And those DMs that I'm getting that you just started listening to me and you feel like I'm a best friend in your ear, I appreciate it. And those of you that think that I am a piece of crapola, welcome to the club. This is just the name of the game when you're showing up every day online. So how are you guys doing? The sun is back in Los Angeles. It's cold, but the sun is back. You guys, I'm so excited. Tonight I'm going out for dinner with five or six friends of mine that I've known since I was 16 years old. And a few of them, I haven't seen them in years. So I'm really excited. We actually all went abroad to Israel when we were in 1997 for a seven or eight week trip. It was my first time ever going away from my family. I never went to sleepaway camp. And then I decided to go across the world. So, um, so we've always like, we've just connected in the last few, um, in the last month or so, and we're all getting together tonight for dinner. So got to put on my fun pants. You know what I mean? I've got to be 16 tonight. Good times. Good times. Thank you so much for those of you that listened to last night's Patreon. It was perfect timing because I just sat down to record it. So I really covered the Twin Flame uh, documentary on Netflix. We talked a lot about cults. And then I covered a couple of other big things that you guys are very interested in. You can go over to Patreon to check out what that episode is about. It'll be really um, interesting for those of you that are interested in some of these niche topics. And then finally... I am really in a deep dive mode right now on another story. And I kind of mentioned it in my stories or on Patreon yesterday with a huge podcaster who talks about a lot of blind items. And he is enmeshed right now in some major, major, major drama with another podcaster who he sued, et cetera. It's like a love affair gone wrong. You guys, it's good. It is juicy. It's everything we want out of these stories. So I'm deep diving that. I'm doing a lot of research. By research, I mean listening to gossip podcasts. And um, and I'll be able to have more of that on next week's episode. Plus, happy hour is on Friday for the overdose tier. That's the $10 tier. If you haven't um, joined that, you can always upgrade just to check it out for one time. We have a happy hour for about an hour Friday at 5.15 Pacific time. And it will be fun. It will be a lot of fun. We have so much to talk about this week. I know you guys know. Um, Okay, so let's get into today's stories. We will definitely be spending some time talking about Real Housewives. Like Wednesday Night TV is just, it's insane. It's so good, right? With Between Miami and Beverly Hills. And the thing is, is that when I like go to my DVR, I have YouTube YouTube TV. So when I go to my library on YouTube TV and I see those cast pictures, of Beverly Hills next to Miami and it says new episode recorded tonight. I'm like, 
this is my best day. I saw a TikTok the other day where this girl was saying, tell me, is, is this not the best feeling ever? She's like, you get home from work, you go and you wash your face, you put on your cozies, your hoodies, your sweaters, you get yourself a nice snack, you sit on the couch, you turn on your TV and you realize you have five hours of Bravo TV to catch up on. Is there a better feeling? And I really honestly said, no. I mean, anything is less uh, enjoyable than that moment. That is the moment right now, right there, sitting and having all the good Bravo shows ahead of you. Now, I also have kids. And those of you with kids, you know that it's usually that time that you have is usually at like 9 p.m. I, I sometimes I think about this and I had a little bit of this over the summer when my kids were at sleepaway camp, but like, do you remember before you had kids, those of you that do have children, do you remember those, that like those days where you would just come home from work five or 6 PM and you would just like pick up food at the local grocery store or wherever you were ordering. And then you would just sit on the couch until bedtime. Like you didn't even really have to do dishes because it was just you when I lived alone in my apartment. Oh my gosh. Those were the moments, the moments or, um, these are days. Um, I'm not going to sing anymore. You guys, I know you're not here for that. You are not here for that. All right. Let's get into some of today's stories. Number one, this is breaking news. You know how, when people say, do you want to go? I just saw this on Potomac. That's why I'm bringing this up. So Sharice walked into the house in Potomac. Uh, she walked into Ashley's homecoming, homecoming, home housewarming house um, party. And someone said, Sharice, do you want a glass of champagne? And she said, is the Pope Catholic? Well, another thing that you could say when people ask you these questions is, does, does uh, Snoop Dogg like to smoke weed? You guys, Snoop Dogg has given up smoking. This is like a shocking piece of a, a piece of information for anyone that has known Snoop. Like Snoop is synonymous with smoking pot. He's decided to give it up. He said, after a long conversation with my family, I decided to give up smoking marijuana. Can you believe it? I thought that was kind of interesting. So now in case you ever say, is the Pope Catholic or does Snoop dog like pot, which I don't know if anyone actually says that, you have to stop. We have to stop saying that. That is no longer something that should be in your vernacular. Today's episode of Daily Dose of Donna is brought to you by Babbel. This fall, you can start speaking a new language with Babbel. And why Babbel? Because it works. Instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a private tutor or fooling yourself with language apps that are little more than games, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. That means by Christmas break, y'all. By New Year's, you can have a new language under your belt. What is it going to be? Are we going to learn Japanese? Are we going to be learning Spanish, some Greek, possibly some Italiano, some French? I need to, you know, expand my brain. I need to be a little bit more cultured. I've decided that I need to get more languages under this belt. That's 100%. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. For instance, one study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. And it's a lot cheaper too, let's be honest. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is a real language learning for real conversations. And here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. That's right, just you dosers to get you started right now. For 55% off of your subscription at babbel.com slash bowling. Remember, 55% off at babbel.com slash bowling. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bowling. Rules and restrictions may apply. And let's continue with Dosis Diaria de Dana. That's Daily Dose of, Sp of Dana in Spanish. <laughs> Snoop Dogg has given up pot between Kyle Richards going sober, Snoop Dogg stopping to um, smoke pot. What's next? What's next? Um, Bethany stopped talking about the re reckoning. That If Bethany stops talking about Andy Cohen, then we really live in an upside down world. I don't think that's possible, but hopefully one day that will happen soon. Oh my gosh. I am so, so glad that Taylor Swift broke up with Maddie Healy. So I have some friends that are obsessed with 1975. I know a lot of you guys are. 1975 is a band that is so um, 
Oh, that's interesting. Michelle just said, stop smoking. There are still gummies. Yeah, maybe Snoop Dogg is coming out with a line of edibles. So Maddie Healy is the lead singer for 1975, and his music is really good. The 1975 is really good if you're into that kind of music, but he's very problematic. And if you followed the whole Taylor Swift, you know, I mean, I feel like the majority of the world does. She was dating him for a hot second and her fans were not having it. Like people were just like, why would you ever date this problematic guy? Well, last night in concert, he decided to say uh, in a, um, in an article, he said, I'm sorry, in not an article on on um, stage, he said that Kanye West, Kanye Vomit West, can't stand the guy. Um, he calls Kanye West his hero, and then he says, "Separate the anti-Semitism, guys." What is up with that? What is up with that? I think that you know it's going to make you question him a little bit. The anti-Semitism is just one of the issues with Kanye West. Don't you guys think Kanye West is probably one of the most, like, dangerous, like, um, problematic people out there? Everything that's going on with him, him and his girlfriend, who supposedly has, like, fled the relationship and has gone back to Australia. Um, everything that we hear, of course, from the Kardashians. Like, Kanye is bad news bears. Have you guys read the expose on Kanye's school? On the Donda school? That was insane. How we there was no chairs and all the kids had to sit on the floor and they were forced to eat sushi every single day, five days a week. There was like a lot of really, really creepy shit in that article. Kanye is not, not good. Did I ever tell you guys, I have friends that go to the same school. I have friends whose kids go to the same school as the Kardashian kids. And this school is, you know, it's a, it's an expensive private school here in Los Angeles, but it's a really, really sweet school. And I know I've been there many times for like activities and stuff for the kids and it's beautiful, beautiful campus. And I know so many families that are there and just are fantastic. But do you guys remember that whole thing with the fire truck? This was on an episode of Kardashians a couple seasons ago. There was a fire truck episode where Kanye came in with a fire truck to like drive his kids to school in a fire truck and so on and so forth. Well, apparently, I don't know if this is still the case, but for a while there, Kanye was banned from being able to be on campus at all whatsoever because of everything that he's going through. So dangerous, like just a dangerous, dangerous guy and not a fan. Not a fan. So meanwhile, Taylor is now with Travis Kelsey. We all know this. We've all been following this. And have you noticed that Travis Kelsey's old tweets are getting um, pulled back up? And none are, you know, super problematic, but they're just so lame. Tell me if I if something has come up that's really problematic. But the ones that I've seen are just kind of almost embarrassing. If someone pulled up my old tweets from like, I don't even know when I joined Twitter. But um, if someone pulled up my old tweets, I feel like I would be so embarrassed. They probably would be, it would be like an old Facebook status. You remember on Facebook, it would be like, you know, you would say, um, cause I feel like it would say is like, right. Your status is. And so you would just have to fill in the blank. So mine would always be like, is having a really tough day is sad about something that I can't tell you about is listening to. And yeah, so embarrassing, right? Um, Travis Kelsey, old tweets. He's got so many fun. I mean, they're, I think they're actually kind of funny. Um, they're just wholesome and dorky. So let's see. He, he talked about squirrels. <laughs> he said, the moon looks crazy tonight. I'm going to chill out here for a little while and just visualize my success and vibe to the scenery. He wrote that in 2010. In 2011, he says, about to go kart racing. About to go go-kart racing. Haha, ha, hope I fit in the cart. <laughs> but he wrote goat cart, like G-O-A-T. Oh my God. It's so funny. Um, then another one. I hate it when my phone is about to die. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Someone tweeted, I think Travis is a good dude because if there were a serious red flag on his character, Taylor's people would have had that worldwide. 
within about five minutes of the first tabloid article about them together. Instead, they found chicken Alfredo because Travis, <laughs> Travis Kelsey's old social media posts have caught the attention of Swifties who are roasting the NFL star for his appreciation of chicken Alfredo, interest in squirrels, and disregard for math class. You know what? Bless Bless him. Yeah, he said, now Olive Garden, companies like Olive Garden and all these other brands are pulling these up because they are mentioned. So in 2010 or something, Travis Kelsey said, up at Olive Garden with Papa, had to grab the fettuccine with the chicken Alfredo, hashtag schmackin, whatever that means. I laughed out loud. And so Olive Garden reposted it and said, it's a love story, baby. Just say when. I mean, it's genius. Anyway. Oh, okay. So Debbie says there are several where he was talking horribly about women who aren't beautiful and extremely skinny. Okay. Well, listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I will say we can find many, many problematic things about a lot of people. And if you're just talking about women that aren't beautiful, I think there's worse things out there that you can do and say. And it's years and years and years ago. I, I, I don't know. I do believe that people are allowed to grow and change as long as you're not showing some like severe racist or homophobic or anti-Semitic or anti like a whole group of people in a really disgusting way. I think you're allowed to say if you're not like into a certain type of body. I don't think that that's like that bad, to be honest. I mean, maybe I'm going to get, you know, attacked here for it, but I just think that there's worse things out there. Like think about how we talk about Cody Brown. Talk about Cody Brown and his tendrils and his six-pack and his abs. I love those six-packs and abs. Oh, my God. I saw a picture of Cody Brown in, like, it was one of those, like, Brady Bunch-style pictures, like, nine pictures of him in different seasons and different things. And I was like, whoa, dude. (laughs) This guy, he got lucky that he got the show, and he got lucky that he even had one wife with Cody Brown's personality. But this episode is not about Cody Brown about so many other things that we can talk about. Um, okay. Uh, I don't even want to get into it. Maybe tomorrow I'll talk about the Will Smith or I'll just mention it right now. You guys, I really am not a big fan of Will Smith and Jada Smith after everything that went down at the Oscars, but also before this whole Jada book, uh, that came out. I didn't read it, but I read enough and I heard enough talking about, you know, all the things that she's saying. I think the whole, the two of them are just they, they've uh, lost the plot, if you know what I mean, just trying to get press. So now, you know, it's all over everything. Daily Mail, of course, had it today on their on their cover. But essentially, there's all these rumors that have been going around for years and years and years about his sexuality. And there are some old tweets that have come up that there are rumors that he allegedly slept with Dwayne Martin, who's an actor, during Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. Now, I don't like to you know, uh, expand on rumors about sexuality unless I do actually have proof on something. But I do think that whether or not he did or didn't is kind of besides the point. It's not necessarily um, the best, the best story uh, for, you know, I would say his, um, his uh, reputation. But at the same time, what I find interesting is that now he's saying that he is the target of a smear campaign. And what bothers me about this is like people that do anything and everything to stay relevant and stay in the media, people that do anything to stay in the media and then get mad when they're in the media. Do you know what I mean? Do we know those people? I know some of those people. So, you know, he's very upset about it. He's denying the gay rumors. Um, He says they're unequivocally false, which is fine, but um, which is fine that he's denying it. I think everyone has a right to defend themselves and deny themselves. But um, he is denying it and saying that, oh, what who who came out with this was brother Bilal, who is the actor's ex personal assistant. He said it in a viral interview with an internet personality, Tasha Kay. He says that he claims that he once walked in on Will Smith and Dwayne Martin engaging in a sex act in Martin's dressing room years and years and years ago. Um, Obviously, 
It was a very, very rude interview. The guy also said some pretty unflattering claims about Will Smith's body. Um, it very much sounds like it could be a personal attack. But I would be okay if I never heard from Will Smith and Jada Smith again. I'm just putting it out there. I told you guys my story already that I really don't, once that slap occurred, and I liked Will Smith. I mean, you have heard things about him over the years, whatever, but I always thought he was a stand-up dude. I always thought he seemed like a really good guy. I personally was not interested in anything having to do with him and his wife after the slap. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I was so turned off by that. We've talked about this many times, so I don't need to go into it anymore. A lot of you guys are talking about my top in the um, in the comments. This is Vici. So much of what I wear is Vici, V-I-C-I. And if you guys need a, a discount code, I don't have one yet, but just Google them. There's so many discount codes for Vici. Vici Collection, I think, is what their Instagram is. Okay, let's get into the housewives of it all because, come on, we had to have watched Beverly Hills and Miami. I'm actually going to start with Miami because I find it less interesting than Beverly Hills. I feel like Beverly Hills, we could really, really go all in on that. Have you guys watched both of them? Let me know in the comments. Um, Real Housewives of Miami. Okay. We had seen teasers about this conversation that Gertie, who just announced that she has breast cancer in the last episode or in the first episode. We knew it, of course, because it's in real time. But on the show, she announced it at the end of last episode to three of the other girls who were very sympathetic to her, to who gave her hugs, who were like, we'll be there for you. And then in this last episode, she finally gets to talk to Larsa, who's the girl that she has the most beef with. In this conversation, which starts off at the top of the episode, she basically is like, you know, they're going back and forth and Lars is just ready to fight, ready to battle, ready to battle. And finally, at the end of the lunch, Gertie decides, I need to tell you I have breast cancer. And she's crying as she's saying it. And Larsa actually, before she starts to tell, before she tells her she has breast cancer, she's crying. And Larsa's like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Okay, why? Why are you crying? By the way, Larsa, I can tell you right now, I don't have to know much about Larsa to know that she was probably the least nurturing, um, the least nurturing uh, mother I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, can you imagine her as a mom? Her kid is crying about like getting hurt. And she's like, why are you crying? Okay, I gave you a Band-Aid. Why are you crying? Ew, I hated that. When someone cries, honestly, the best thing to do when someone cries, even if you think that they're being dramatic and overdramatic, and I'm really actually talking to a lot of people out there that um, need to learn something called empathy, <clears throat> Erica Jane, I truly believe that if you see someone cry, the last thing you can ever say is, why are you crying? Instead, maybe you can say those words, but it's more like, oh my gosh, why are you crying? Right? It's a tone thing. Also, a lot of times I get very upset about things that you may not understand. So I will cry. You may not think it's sad or scary or anxiety pro producing or anything, but it, but it's working. It's like, it's doing it for me. So whenever someone's crying, believe them. Okay. Now a lot of people are good at fake crying, but obviously Gertie was really upset. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? I already apologized. Then, um, you know, uh, Gertie says, I have breast cancer. And Larsa goes, so how am I supposed to know? O-M-G. In the history books of all people of all time, I don't think anyone has responded to their friend telling them that they have cancer worse than that moment. Can you believe it? I was in shock. The first thing you do when someone says that they have cancer, the first thing you do is shut the fuck up and only go to them, give them a hug and say, I'm sorry. What the F was that? How am I supposed to know? You didn't tell me. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? I mean, between her and Sutton, like name one, name one, name one. How do you know? Name one. How do you know? Name one. This is a song. I mean, the two of them are having some sort of like malfunction in their bodies. Like nine one. How do you know? Nine one. It was out of control. So G Gertie goes, uh, 
are you seriously asking how do, how do I know I have breast cancer? And Lars is like, yeah, I mean, how? Like, what the F? And I believe in this moment, Larsa was like, holy shit, I'm going to look bad right now because I'm going hard at her and she has cancer and I don't want to look bad. So now I'm just, you know, I'm trying to find a way out of it rather than just like apologizing because so, so many of these people cannot goddamn apologize. They cannot apologize. People out there in this world cannot apologize. Have you noticed that? It's shocking to me. I feel like I'm always apologizing for things that I do wrong. Hold on one second. I'm really sorry for anything I've done wrong, you guys. <laughs> I want to put it out there. Um, so anyway, uh, she, so so Gertie explains that she got a mammogram and then like the conversation kind of goes into this weird, so like what, are you getting your boobs cut off or is it just like a small thing? Like what, what? There was no walls being put down. And Gertie even had to say like, this doesn't feel like a safe space. But then at the end of the conversation, Gertie said, they kind of calmed down. Gertie said to Larsa, please don't tell anyone. I'm telling you in confidence. Larsa says, of course. And then Larsa's like, <laughs> like they're trying to kind of come up with some fun stories. I'm going to go tell TMZ. <laughs> Cut to not even seven seconds later. It's the next scene where Larsa is preparing for the stupidest party in the history of all housewives. And we've seen some pretty stupid ones. And this was Marcus's her boyfriend's coming home party after five days. And she goes to the party planner or someone at the party, not even what, or getting ready for the party, not even one of the housewives and tells her about the cancer. But do you notice this about Larsa? You guys, I'm just like, I'm so upset because I just found out that she has cancer. I couldn't believe it. It was all about me, me, I, 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 I can't believe it. I almost fell over. Larsa is the worst. I can say this pretty confidently. There's a lot of problematic housewives. I think Larsa may be the worst. Well, I say this every day about a new one. I truly can't think of anyone that's worse than her though. I really dislike her. Really, truly dislike her. I find her very just, I don't know. She gives me a bad vibe. She makes me feel yucky. She has this party. Um, so now she's already told a stranger about Gertie's cancer diagnosis, which is disgusting. Like, absolutely. It's like telling the housewives would be bad enough, but telling a stranger is sick. Like, absolutely sick. Then she has the party and all these people are coming. You know, she has Lisa there with her boyfriend, Jody, dressed like Brittany and Justin in their denim outfits. Um, Mary Soul and her husband, is it her husband or her boyfriend? I don't know. Alexia comes with Todd. Alexia drives me nuts. Alexia does, drives me nuts. Uh, it, the constant talking and, and shaking of her head and nodding of her head. It's like she's so animated in everything. She needs to be involved with every little conversation. She always needs to put a word in. It, it bugs me. Um, maybe I'm not in a good mood today. <laughs> I'm like, Donna, you got you to gotta bring it down a notch. Everyone's pissing you off. Um, so... So anyway, they like a bunch of people. And then Kiki, who um, Kiki is actually comic relief this season. She's already made some really funny comments about balls in the past, like uh, something about sucking balls. And then today she was talking all about, you know, the different um, about having the party for Marcus. Like she's just really funny. I don't know. I like Kiki. She she makes me laugh. But anyway, so they come into the party and everyone's like, what kind of party is this? And it's a surprise party. It's shocking. It's a surprise party. But then immediately they kind of have this intervention towards Todd saying, why weren't you at your own party when you're here at this party? And Todd is like skating through this question. It's so clear that Todd and Alexia got in a massive fight that day and he wanted to hurt her by saying, when she had her party in the opening, the first episode, he wanted to hurt her by saying, I'm not going to that party. And she was very upset by it. Remember, she cried hysterically to Marisol. And um, and she, and then he like, he hurt, he didn't go to the party to hurt her. But now they were getting along. So he went to this party. Mm. Mm -mm. Nah, not a fan. Then Marcus comes home. He's like, uh, hey, by the way, you guys, I don't know about you, but when I go on a business trip or a, a fun trip or whatever kind of trip, when I come home, especially five days, six days, the last thing, the absolute last thing I want to do is be thrown a party, especially without knowing. Like, you're still in your plain clothes. 
I found that a little strange. No one wants to have a party right after you get off a plane. Personally, I mean, that that would not be my – usually when I come home after being out of town for a few days, I just want to, you know, take a shower, get in my cozies, and catch up on my Bravo. Maybe Marcus wanted to catch up on Real Housewives of Potomac. Come on. Larsa is just too much. They have this dinner party. They all sit down and have this dinner, and you see couples, Mary Saul and Steve. You see Todd and Alexia. You see Lisa and Jody, and then you see Larsa sitting her ass down on Marcus's lap during dinner. Uh, Kill me. <laughs> Trigger warning. That was not like a real shout out and a cry for help. That was just absolutely the most like obnoxious person seen everything about it. So Lisa goes into a long conversation about everything that's going on with Lenny and the marriage. The guys end up going outside. She's sitting there around the girls and she's really, you know, very upset about this. And while she's like going through these things, I feel like everyone just wants her to calm down. Everyone just wants her to calm the F down. Like the fact that she's not only going through one of the most awful divorces, but then her fiance, her husband's, I don't know if they were engaged at the time, mistress is now parading all over the place with her social media. We all know this, how disgusting. And he's withholding stuff from the family, from the kids, from her. So of course she's upset about it, but they're more worried about Jody, the boyfriend hearing about it. They're more worried about her being too anxious or too loud or talking about it too much. She's like, I'm crying myself to sleep every night. They're like, calm down. You're fine now. Sorry. What? I don't get it. I don't get it. It was not, I was not into it at all. So, um, okay. So then, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that like really big happened around there. Oh, then we go around. Um, we have a conversation between Julia. We do a Julia opera thing. You guys, I can't. This is when I zone out of the show. The second I hear Julia singing opera off tune, I was like, no, this is not, this is not my happy place. This is not my happy place. I struggle with Julia. I know that you guys are going to be mad at me over this. There's something about Julia that triggers me as well. I find her relationship with Martina fake. There's something about it that makes me think that Martina is way more into Julia than Julia is into Martina. I am not interested in that. Like, I feel bad for Martina. I feel like Martina could use someone that loves her a lot more. Now, this may just be the show, but I really, really was not into this whole voice lesson, this opera situation. Like, what the hell? It's just a no for me. Um, we go and talk to Gertie. And her husband, Russell, in one of the most emotional, sweetest scenes ever, Russell wins husband of the year. Is this not one of the best house house husbands we've seen? He's kind. He's hot. He's sweet. He's quiet. He doesn't get involved too much, but he's there for his wife. I mean, like amazing, amazing. And he says to her how he told the boys about her having cancer and their reactions, which were just so sweet. And then she said, you know, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And he said, your shit is my shit. Tattoo that on my arm. Your shit is my shit. But like, it has to be only specific people's shit. It can't be all of your shit. Because if all of your shit was my shit, then I would be just deep, filled with shit all the time. I would be constipated. <laughs> I would literally just be full of shit. <laughs> It was the sweetest. It was the sweetest moment ever. Um, Gertie then, you know, has a nice lunch with Martina and Julia. This is right after Martina tells Julia that she just completely missed her last treatment, which Julia is like, well, she doesn't know that I'm planning this opera thing as a surprise. I'm sorry. Nothing is an excuse. Her last chemo treatment or radiation treatment and you missed it, That's that's clearly means you're more concerned with your own shit than <laughs> your shit is not her shit. You know what? Julia needs to tell Martina, your shit is not my shit. Russell tells Gertie, your shit is my shit. But Julia should say to Martina, your shit is not my shit. The goat shit is my shit. I'm more interested in my goat shitting in my kitchen. Anyway, um, we had a couple scenes with Lisa. We had a sweet scene with Lisa at home with her kids trying to say, like, I have to keep this separate from my kids. 
I don't want to bring this energy onto them. They're in their formative years. They're just getting molded. I want to be present with them. You can't get this time back. Like by all intents and purposes, that was a very sweet moment. If you're a child of divorce, which I am and bless my mom's heart, but she involved me so heavily into the divorce when we were kids, I knew about every single fight. I knew about every single thing that wasn't paid for. I knew about every single time that I was, you know, that she was disappointed or upset with my dad. I knew about every single bad thing all the time. I was told to keep secrets when I was six years old and I messed that up. That's a whole other story I can tell you guys about the day when I got kicked out of my dad's Malibu beach house on PCH for an hour when I was six years old because I, by mistake, opened my mouth and said a secret. So whenever I see stories like this with kids in divorces, I always think to myself like, wow, that is sweet that she's thinking that way. I'm wondering if it's actually true. I'm wondering if it's actually true that she, you know, is actually keeping it apart, you know, separate. Um, let's th think what else. Uh, a lot of you guys were upset about the pizza. She was telling her little boy not to eat more pizza. What did you guys think about that? I am not personally a, you know, a food expert or a child expert. Um, I've never told my kids that they can't eat more dinner. I've always like told them to eat more and more and more. Um, and if they're hungry for pizza, I would let them eat pizza. I don't know. The whole thing does not didn't sit very well with me. Like I get enough with the sugar, like stop eating candy. I don't know. It felt a little bit weird. Um, okay. Anything else? Oh yeah. And then we see Nicole buying her $10 million boat. Y'all Nicole's life is just mind blowing to me. Someone give me, give me Anthony's number. I will, you know what? Does Nicole want a sister wife? I think Lance wouldn't mind. I'll live on the boat. I will live on the $11 million boat happily. Like personally, I just, I could not believe that you literally buy something that's worth $11 million just to put it out into water and get, you know, that has to have to lose. It's like a car, right? Boats and cars must be the same. They lose value the second they're out on the water and doing their thing. Homes, you can see them building value. I do not understand this idea of spending $11 million on a yacht for yourself. Now, if you're like an owner of a super yacht, like a below deck, and you rent it out with crews and you make a shit ton of money, that makes a lot of sense. But I do not understand the idea of buying that expensive yacht, but I just want to be Nicole. Like, I want to live her life. I, 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 I don't care that her dad is messed up. So is mine. Like, I want to be Nicole. She's so damn cute, number one. She's so adorable. She's so cute. She has the cutest outfits. I like her personality. Anthony doesn't seem half bad. He actually seems kind of cute. Not going to lie. I like that they sit there. They, you know, fly over for a little wine in Miami. In, uh, I don't know where they go. They go somewhere else for just a glass of wine and come on home. Must be nice. Must be nice. And she's pregnant again. She announced her pregnancy in the most expensive over-the-top pregnancy video. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. Um, right before BravoCon. So she's going to have another. I don't know if she's going to have a daughter or a son. But I freaking love Nicole's life. Like, if I could trade lives with any housewife on Miami, one million percent it would be Nicole. And in fact, if I could trade my life with any housewife ever in any of the cities, that I'm curious. You guys tell me if you could trade your life with any housewife in any of the cities and forget being on a show more just like what their life is like, their lifestyle, their assets, their, um, you know, their families. I could probably think of others. Let me try to think really fast who I would want to. I don't know. Actually, this is going to be a conversation like a, this is a thinker. This is a thinker. I think Nicole, Nicole is for me. You guys tell me. Hmm. Vanderpump. Vanderpump would be a good life to trade. I feel like Vanderpump does live the life, right? Okay. Oh, a lot of you guys say LVP. Some of you said, uh, used to say Kyle. Yeah. Kyle used to me, used to have the best life too. Like she seemed like she had it all, right? With the beautiful home and with the gorgeous kids 
and the happy husband, happy marriage, all the dogs, like what could go wrong, which is a perfect segue. Let's jump into Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, what a thrill. Beverly Hills, what a thrill. Beverly Hills. True Beverly Hills, anyone? Um, okay. Beverly Hills is, I think, my favorite right now. It's my favorite franchise. I am pouring over it. I need to find out what is going to happen with the Kyla Mauricio of it all. Whatever they did in terms of drumming up press for this whole storyline is working on me. I'm sure their numbers are doing well. I don't know about you guys, but I truly believe that um, it's probably helping because I'm very interested in this season of Beverly Hills. We start off in Vegas. Remember, we ended in Vegas last at the end of last episode, and we're still in Vegas. They wake up. They all get glammed up, get dressed up, and then they kind of all spread out in different um, little pairings. We have Erica and um, Crystal going to a Mexican lunch somewhere in the I, – I actually looked it all up, where Wally's was, where all these restaurants were. They're all – other than Garcelle and Sutton, the other four, they are at – Resorts World, which is where they're staying, which I've never heard of before. But Resorts World is like a Conrad, a Hilton, and then another third hotel. And it's got a ton of stuff. I think it's off the strip. I'm going to have to do my research on this Re Resorts World. Clearly, obviously, they sponsored or paid for this, the whole situation, I think, or maybe not, because it was so featured in the episode in so many different ways. So um, remember, at the end of last episode, Garcelle just had this conversation with Dorit and Kyle about how she still doesn't trust them and they turned it on her by saying, well, when are you going to get over it? But that's really what the season of Beverly Hills should be called. It should just be called Gaslighting 101 because that's what they all do to each other. Um, so Erica and Crystal go to lunch and they have a pretty boring lunch. Guys, I'm really struggling with Erica. We'll get into it in a little bit, but I'm really struggling with her. Uh, I've never truly been a fan, to be honest. I think I liked her first season that she ever was on or second season, but I really, really am struggling to fully like Erica. I just feel like she's not to be trusted. I feel like she's a hot potato. I feel like she is someone that can turn on you in a dime, right? Like she's just like, she's dangerous for me a little bit. Um, Got it. Okay. Oh, it is on the strip. Resorts World is on the strip. Um. Well, I actually took a note about something that I had to I had to hit on. So Dorit. Dorit and PK's relationship just cracks me the F up because their relationship is literally the most over-the-top, like, I mean, you can't write the shit that they – you remember how Lindsay and Carl on Summer House, RIP, used to say, babe, 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 babe. Well, Dorit and PK is Bubba, Bubba, PK, Dorit. PK, Dorit, Baba, but last night she really won the award. She won the award because she got on her phone, which is chained galore. Every single part of her phone is like got chains off it. She's got 46 rings, uh, bracelets. Her, her sweater is like all frayed. I mean, it was like a lot. It was a lot going on. And she gets up and she's like, Babalish. <laughs> ah, PK's name is Babalish. <laughs> I died. Bubblish, tell me about your dinner with with Maurice, with Mo. So the night before we do a flashback, basically Mauricio and PK are having a dinner talking about their marriages, right? Both of their marriages are, are struggling right now. We don't really know specifically why for either of them, but we know that they're both struggling. PK says, you know, it was a really hard year and... You know, I think everyone goes through these times in their marriage and Mauricio goes, yeah, everyone, but I don't want to fight. And he says, I'm of the opinion, I should show this scene to Lance, actually. She goes, um, I should show, he goes, I should show, no, that's what I said. I should show. But he said, I'm of the opinion that Kyle is always right. And PK goes, but she's not always right or something like that. And he's like, yeah, she is, unless I want to fight her, which I don't want to do. I'm like, this is this is why Mauricio just lives his life in like fucking uh, rainbows and unicorns. He's always just like a happy-go-lucky. Number one, he's probably stoned. Number two, he's just never going to argue with his wife. Honestly, it's like, what do they say? They say, um, they say, happy wife, happy life. It's how Joe Gorga does it with, with Melissa. We've seen that a million times. So anyway, um, that's what I'm going to get Lance a tattoo on his, his shirt. My shirt will say, my arm will say, your shit is my shit. 
but only some of you. And then Lance's arm will say, happy wife, happy life. I think I'm going to force him to do it. Like at our 20-year anniversary, I'm going to be like, if you love me, you're going to write happy wife, happy life tattooed on your arm. I think like that's what Morgan Wade does. Like I think I'm going to I'm going to do it. Okay. So um so Bubblish and and Mauricio or or as everyone calls him Mo now or as Lisa Vanderpump called him Maurizio. Maurizio. Um Bubblish and Maurizio are having this dinner and they're talking about their struggling marriages. So so uh Bubblish tells Jurit yeah, you know, Maurizio was telling me all about their their relationship and how much they're struggling. And then you cut to Kyle, who's having a very annoyed, not wanting to clearly FaceTime conversation with her husband while he's driving. She's She couldn't roll her eyes anymore during this conversation. And she's like, so tell me about dinner. And he was like, it was good. And she goes, can you give me the girl version? And Maurizio says, well, Bubblish was telling me about his marriage and how much they're struggling. So it's so funny. It's like you have these two husbands that are getting together and talking about their marriages, which by the way, I've talked to Lance about this before. I don't know about you guys, but most men don't go and like talk about their relationships with other men. I always want Lance to, because I think it would help him, but it really doesn't come out often. You usually need a woman in there to be like, tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. So uh, so they kind of get each other's scoop. Now, Dorit and Kyle go to Wally's, which is a great wine store and bar and restaurant. There's one in Beverly Hills. There's one in Westwood. Um, and then, of course, there's one in Vegas. Uh, it's funny to go to a wine bar when you're not drinking for lunch. But they go, and a big conversation in this scene is Kyle. Actually, this entire episode is Kyle not drinking. Right. So during this lunch, which we go back and forth a couple of times between some of the other two sums, but in this conversation, the majority of it was Dorit being like, it's really hard for me because I am so used to going out with you and throwing a few back and just, you know, having going really wild on these girls trips. Now, mind you, like the night before we were just at Magic Mike. So it's not like, you know, they were in bed reading books at 6 p.m. the night before. Kyle's not drinking, but she she hasn't fallen asleep. You know, she's still wild and Kyle. So anyway, they they go to, um, they go to, they're talking about this and Kyle goes, well, you know, this is just who I am. It's just who I am. I've heard this from many people that stopped drinking and you guys, a lot of you can tell me this in the comments. What your experience has been when you've decided to stop drinking, you do feel a little bit, I think some people feel a little bullied by it or um, kind of like pushed to drink. Um, a lot of people maybe don't feel comfortable with hanging out with someone who doesn't drink anymore. It almost feels like they're not going to be themselves. So I think there was a little bit of that. And I know that they're going to get vilified for it. Dorit and Garcelle both will get vilified for this, probably at the reunion or whatever. But I don't think they realized when they were filming this, maybe they didn't realize like how long this was going to go for, you know, at this time it was just a few months. Maybe they thought like, she's just like, this is just a phase or whatever. I don't think she actually, um, Dorit was trying to hurt her feelings or something, but Kyle is defensive about it. And she's like, this is just who I am, you know? Um, and it's okay. And that makes sense that Kyle would be a little defensive because I think what's happening, and this is just my opinion, they start talking about the marriage and Dorit is like, so what's going on with you? You know, how is, you know, what's going on with you and Mauricio? Do you feel like you're kind of growing apart? And Kyle in this conversation does say that. She's like, listen, Mauricio loves to go out. He loves to drink. He loves to go and be a people person. He's in sales. He's constantly networking. He's constantly going out and meeting people. For me, it's really, really hard to connect with him because I don't really want to do that anymore. I don't really feel like going out and being overly social. I'd rather be in bed reading a book. And most of that is because I don't drink. And I can totally relate to this. When I'm deciding that I don't want to drink, maybe like Monday through Friday, I, I really vary. Unless I'm going out for dinners, I don't drink. So if someone says, hey, Donna, you want to go get a drink tonight and it's a Tuesday, usually I'll say no. I don't want to drink. So that means I won't go out with them because I don't want to go out and drink. Um, So the, the alcohol is like a conversation for sure. It's a constant conversation, but she's definitely on the verge of tears in this entire conversation when, when Dorit is asking her about 
how she sees kind of the future of the relationship. At this point, I believe Kyle knows for sure this is not working out. She knows that they're not going to probably be able to stay together or she sees it kind of slipping through her fingers and she doesn't really know what to do, right? Um, They really truly did grow apart, her and Mauricio. Like it's so obvious. The best scene was Garcelle and Sutton on the gondola ride. So Garcelle and Sutton go out for lunch at the Venetian where they have a big, you know, like Venice river. What is it called? And they have the gondolas there. If you've ever been to Vegas. So of course it's like a production setup that they get on this gondola. But as they're talking, you cannot beat this moment of when they are talking about their conversations about the night before, about the struggles, about, you know, what happened at Magic Mike, et cetera. And the guy keeps singing. It is such perfectly done editing. It is so phenomenal. It's that moment where you're like, I want to talk, but then this guy starts singing. So you have to awkwardly sit and watch him. And then you keep talking and then he sings again. It was, it was like an episode of um, White Lotus or something. It was so good. I thought it was phenomenal. It was a great episode. It was a great scene, that whole scene. So they're sitting there, they're having a fun conversation or just trying to kind of chat about what happened at Magic Mike. And Sutton is like, I don't get it. I really did not try to make a big thing. I went, you know, I just walked out and did my own thing. Now, Garcelle was being honest. Well, Sutton, you were very upset about it. Okay. This comes up a little bit later. The next thing is that they're all getting together and getting in their cowboy clothes if I have to hear Kimo Sabi one more time on the show, like, can we drop the Kimo Sabi of it all? I I am so not into it. I don't get it. But Kimo Sabi, of course, sponsored this episode. Everyone has their cowboy hats on. Everyone looks adorable. They're getting ready. And then they decide to go, what I think, to some sort of a Western dinner. Oh, no, they're going to just a regular dinner in this full cowboy getup. It was so weird. They looked so out of place. They're sitting at this gorgeous dinner um, where the food looked phenomenal because they were going to a cowboy bar after. And at this dinner, they decide to, of course, play this game. Now, did you notice? You always, I always noticed the lighting. Clearly, it was a dark restaurant, so production needed like a stronger light for them. And so they put like almost it reminded me of one of those, you know, rock salt lamps, like right in the middle, but it's this bright light. And you see everyone's got this like really bright light on their faces. So they're sitting there and they're doing uh, these games. And um, one of the games is about infidelity. Now, this is where we have a little bit of a Kyle getting a little... <laughs> you know, with her hair. She does always a lot of things with her hair when she's nervous, but she had that Kimosabi hat so she could only go to the bottom. Um, so basically what happened was Erica says, or, or Garcelle says, for you married women, is infidelity one time, is it something you can get over? And basically she's talking to Crystal, Dorit, and uh, Kyle, but Crystal, Dorit, and Kyle, we don't hear from Crystal in any episode. Like Crystal is there, but not there at all. Have you guys noticed that? And I like Crystal. I think Crystal's really cute and pretty, but she, maybe she's just boring on the show because they have not given her any anything. It was her birthday. We have not seen it. And like, she's there, but she's not there. So they're sitting there and they're talking about infidelity. Kyle's getting all like <laughs> anxious because we've all heard the rumors for years, which they flash back to with, you know, Lisa Vanderpump talking about the rumors of Maurice, Maurizio having an affair. Maurizio's having an affair. Maurizio's having an affair. Everyone's heard about it. Everyone talks about it. You guys, this is like a well-known rumor in Los Angeles. And then of course, on all the, the, magazines and like the blogs for years and years and years. But we're like, we're like Camille Grammer saying, you didn't want us to say it, but now it's, we said it, you know, no one is like wanting to say, well, Kyle, like we've all heard that Mauricio is cheating on you, but no one's saying that Kyle's just, <laughs> if you guys are watching, she's so like, she's so anxious. Meanwhile, um, you know, Dorit's like, I would chop his balls off. I would Lorena Bob it. I would kill him and I would serve him for lunch on a bubblish sandwich. But Kyle's like, I don't know. I don't know. Because in my opinion, just my opinion, at this point, both of them are not being faithful to each other. That's my opinion, whether it's emotional or physical. Okay. Then... We go to dinner. 
I mean, the cowboy bar, which again, I was like, this is a bar in Vegas because it did not look Vegas at all. It legit looked like the bar that if like, I'm going to throw back to Vanderpump when Lala and Katie and um, Christina Kelly went to Lake Havasu in that disgusting, like random ass dive bar. That's what it felt like. It felt like that bar when they went there, it was just really not, um, it did not feel Vegas at all. There was line dancing. There was these weird, this weird footage of all of the different things on the electrical bull. And then of course we had to throw Kyle on the bull. And then we had to throw Sutton on the bull. And the whole scene was to show like Sutton is clutching her pearls. She's so uncomfortable. She's so uncomfortable. This is so not her. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, yes, Sutton is so uncomfortable and she's so damn awkward. And she has been since day one. And that's never not been Sutton. Like Sutton is who Sutton is. Would she be my best friend? Absolutely not. I don't think I could hang out with Sutton in real life. I think she's she feels incredibly socially strange and awkward in certain situations, but you can't put Sutton on a bull and think that like she should be expected to treat it like Erica would on the um, stage at Magic Mike. Like they're very different people. Anyway, so they have this like fun night at the bar. They go home the next day. They get ready to get on their private plane. And then in the car on the way to the airport is when they have this big dramatic scene all about bringing up again what happened. And, oh, no, obviously I can't cut back this. There, I don't know how this worked. I don't know if this was timed. It feels kind of crazy to be timed. But in this scene, Erica is walking to, they're all walking downstairs to the lobby. And it doesn't even look like they have a real camera crew. It's almost like an iPhone is filming them. And opens up the elevator with Mikey, Erica's guy, her choreographer, you know, fashion director, stylist, the whole thing, and one of the dancers for Magic Mike. Shocking, right? So they happen to be also in there in the hotel. And Erica decides to literally throw all of her, you know, upstanding citizen type of personality out the window and decides in that moment, she's going to throw Sutton so under the bus. How freaking horrible and humiliating was this moment. So mean saying to her, you know, um, uh, you have to say, I'm sorry. Why don't you apologize to them to their face that you said their show was shitty and that you left and that you made them, they made you uncomfortable. Why don't you tell them? I mean, I have never felt so bad in, well, actually added to the list of times I feel bad for Sutton on the show because Sutton is the punching bag in the show. She really is in every single season she's been on. And Erica hates Sutton and Kyle hates her more. But Erica decides to go all in on Sutton. So uncomfortable. Sutton had to stand up for herself and all the other girls stand there like, huh? Not saying a goddamn word. I thought it was so obnoxious. And they go inside you know, they, the elevator closes and Sutton's like, whoa, Erica, why did you decide to do that? Erica was like, sorry. Okay. Whatever. Now she decides she's like better than it. Eh, whatever. They get in the car, the conversation continues. And then this is where I wanted to take an egg and throw it at Kyle and Erica's faces because you see them at the back of the car facing up. And then you see Sutton on the right, the rest of the girls on the left, and they start talking about the damn magic mic appearance again. And Sutton said, I already apologize. I am sorry. I am sorry with how I acted. I am so sorry. And literally they don't let the shit go. Rewind and watch the episode again. It doesn't matter if Sutton was offended by what they did on the stage or she was offended that she wasn't asked to go up on stage or she was offended that someone had a bad perfume. It doesn't matter. She was offended. She was grossed out. She was upset. It doesn't matter why. She stood up and she walked out. She didn't get up and say, we're leaving to everyone. She didn't do anything. She didn't even really tell anyone she was leaving. She got up and she walked out. Because Garcelle is a good friend, Garcelle went to check on her, as good friends do. Now, Kyle, sorry, Kyle. Goodbye, Kyle. Kyle is the reason that this thing got taken into some overexploded, heightened experience because Garcelle was there to calm Sutton down and Kyle was there to rile her up because that's what Kyle does to Sutton. She picks at her. She pokes her and she prods her and she tries to poke the bear. She tries to pick Sutton apart. She wants to get a reaction out of Sutton. And you could just see it right there. 
Why are you upset? Why are you upset? Oh, it's because it's your brand. Come on, Sutton. You did say this. Sutton, why are you doing this? Sutton, why are you? Sutton's like, just give me a bottle of water. Like, leave me alone. I'm just not happy about being in there. Uh, it, you guys, it pissed me off. It pissed me off. We've all been in situations, I think, like this. And this was after last season where I almost had to stop watching Housewives. I wasn't doing the show yet. I don't think. Maybe I was. I had to almost stop watching Housewives because of the way that they treated Sutton in last season, especially in that Aspen house when all of them were attacking Sutton. And Kyle's the ringleader in this shit. Yes, Lisa Rinna was doing it and Diana was doing it, the two wicked witches, but Kyle is part of it too. Kyle needs to just admit, I don't like Sutton. It's clear she doesn't. She doesn't like Sutton. We know this because in real life, Teddy doesn't like Sutton. So obviously Kyle doesn't like Sutton. So why are we pretending that we're friends? Kyle does not have Sutton's back. Kyle is not there for Sutton. And Kyle and Erica are exchanging glances to each other. Like every time Sutton's getting upset. Dorit, I don't believe, is really trying to trigger Sutton, but she doesn't know when to stop. So she keeps going. And Sutton was already getting so upset. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with these women that they feel like they should make someone cry when they're apologizing. It just, it bothers me so much. Okay. The final scene was the craziest scene ever. Now, a lot of you guys, I want to know in the comments, did you believe that Sutton was drinking or drunk in that final scene where Kyle comes to have the conversation with Sutton? Name one. Name one. Name one. Name one. I mean, it was on another one. So I do believe that Sutton had had a couple drinks, maybe one, maybe two, maybe seven. I don't know. She definitely seemed a little off. She said, I want a cocktail. Kyle, of course, doesn't drink. She wanted tea. Avi, my favorite part of the show, brings over the tea, brings over the drinks, whatever. In this conversation is when Kyle wants to pretend like, I'm friends with you, Sutton. She comes over. She always tries to be like a little bit goofy with her and a little bit fun with her and a little bit like, la, 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 ha, 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 trying to be like kind of, you know, there's like an immaturity to Kyle sometimes, I feel, like where she tries to be goofy. And so she's kind of trying to be goofy uh, with Sutton. And this is when the conversation happens where Sutton's like, I know who you are and you're not my friend. You're not a friend to me. You were there to protect your other friends. You're not there to protect me. And it's true. I need to know one time where Sutton was backed up by Kyle. Now, I'm not saying that Sutton is a scot-free. She is an odd bird. She's awkward. She's an oddball. She's an odd bird. And she definitely takes her part into a lot of this stuff. But I just don't think that Kyle is a friend to her. And she pretends to be a friend to her, which tricks Sutton into believing that she's a friend to her, right? Sutton gets tricked almost into believing that Kyle's her friend. She opens up to her. She tries to be fun and cool with her. But the way that Kyle treats Sutton with the phone calls to the, to the guys, like the guy that she had one date with, and then Kyle decided to FaceTime her, that's, that's fucking rude. She's like a prankster with her. I don't like it. I feel like she treats Sutton like an idiot. And then, of course, they have this conversation where she's like, Sutton, you acted crazy or something like that. She said, like, she said, I can't remember exactly, but she said, like, you overreact. And Sutton's like, name one. And now that was a little annoying of Sutton. Not going to lie. It was annoying. She didn't stop. She kept going. Name one, name one, name one, name one, which was killing Kyle. And it probably would have killed me, too, because you can't have a conversation with that. But Kyle is forgetting, like, this is a show of people of overreactors. The fact that Kyle has consistently and always, always will give Erica a pass. She will always Eric let Erica be as horrendous of a person as she could be. She will let Erica lose her shit on people, say awful, horrendous things to people, and she'll just accept her for who she is. That's just Erica. Sutton's not allowed to just be Sutton. Erica is. Rena was. Mm -mm. Sutton is held to a different standard because you know why? Sutton is Kyle's Kim Richards. Kyle treats Sutton the way she treats Kim. Exactly. Go back to old episodes. Exactly the way. Oh my God. Oh my God. Michelle. I just looked at the comments because someone said that's a good analogy, Michelle. Michelle, we said the same thing. Kyle treats Sutton like she treated Kim. I thought, 
I'm so excited that you guys are feeling this too. I just literally was talking, thinking about this. And I was like, it's the exact dynamic. She's close with her buddy, buddy. But then the second that she acts a little out of control, she's, she's like, something's wrong with you. Michelle, you and I are on the exact same thinking of this. I think a lot of you guys will recognize this. If you go back to season one and two of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I just rewatched, it's identical. She always backed everyone up who was against Kim. She always tried to be like buddy-buddy with Kim, but the second that Kim acted a little strange or weird or people were against Kim, she immediately went to the other person's side. She attacked Kim in front of other people. She embarrassed Kim. The alcohol comment that Teddy made on Watch What Happens Live, I believe, was produced by Kyle. I mean, that's just my thinking. Mm-hmm. Michelle, we're going to have to do a little. I'll credit you on this one, too. That was crazy. We have to look at the timing of when that comment came in. If it was exactly the same time. It was nuts. I'm so glad that you guys, uh, some of you guys are seeing that. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't feel good about it. Sutton is definitely not perfect, just like Kim wasn't perfect, but it does feel like she's being taken advantage of with by Kyle, and I think she needs to keep Kyle at very arm's length, which we know that they are, because they talked about it at BravoCon. So really, really weird. Um, Kyle just seems unhappy to me. She just seems unhappy, and she kind of always does. But right now she seems super unhappy, which would make sense if her whole life is kind of, you know, imploding in front of her. But I don't know. I don't know, you guys. Um, Okay. That was today's episode. We lasted over an hour. That's what she said. Um, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your Thursday. I will see you tomorrow for Friday. I'm hoping to get a show in tomorrow. I have a few different um, school events. So I'm really trying to make sure that I can get in. But either way, Five o'clock tomorrow evening on Patreon, you'll get the link of our Zoom happy hour. So subscribe to the $10 tier, even if you just want to upgrade just for tomorrow, just to see what it's like to get to know us. And I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks, dosers. Have a great day. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.